So we thought it only appropriate if we're talking about church, Great Commission, mission of the church. Uh, these are things that we need to be careful to not only speak of passionately, but to follow passionately. Wouldn't you agree? And uh, so what we'd like to do then together uh, is talk about how these realities impact FRC. And uh, here's how we'll start. Whoops. What is the mission of FRC? Okay, that's the question. And I've been talking a lot, so uh, why don't you guys answer this question? I'll go ahead and do this first, okay? And so talk about this first. Jimmy and Sam, if you would, please. Well, it's on the wall, <laughs> if that helps. Big letters, it says our mission, and then it's right there. Um, cultivating a mature community of faith and fellowship in the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, for the glory of God. Um, that's what we started out saying the mission of our church is. And um, I think, in large part, we do a really good job at that. Um, looking at what the purpose of a church is and what we're trying to do um, cultivating this mature community of believers. Um, that's a lot of what we've been doing. Um, and I know we're going to get to this in a minute, but, you know, we, we kind of feel like maybe we're missing one aspect of what this whole thing looks like, um, which Eric's going to talk about here in just a few minutes. But um, I think just lar in large part, that's kind of what we do. Um, a lot of our focus uh, is on teaching the word, on, on helping mature believers um, so that we can go out and do the work of service. And um, I know, you know, for me, a lot of what, you know, when we talk to Eric about what his responsibilities are, um, I always go back to Ephesians 4 in those verses that we read where, you know, it's kind of the job as a pastor and teacher to equip the saints for the work of service. Like, like, it's not our job to do everything. It's not our job to disciple everyone and to evangelize everyone and to do all of these things. It's our job to equip you guys so that as a church, we can all be a part of this. We can all be a part of evangelizing and discipling and, and those types of things. And so that's kind of where some of this came from is that's kind of our goal is to mature this community of believers so that we can go and do these things. Um, like I say, I feel like there's one small part that we've kind of left off that, that we will add, but. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, I don't think I have anything to add that you didn't just say. Um, I think the mission statement, which was here before I was um, in this particular role, um, I think there is a proper, <clears throat> proper emphasis on the idea of maturity, right? Like the goal here is not just to come together once a week and do church things, um, but it is to an end that we do these things, right? The end goal is that we are growing in our maturity. That's why we structure our services and all of the things like this conference the way that we do. The end goal is the maturity of us as a group of believers, um, and this is how we do it, right? We do it by fellowshipping. We do it by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and for the glory of God, right? But the emphasis on maturity, I think, is why we do things the way we do. It's because we are not trying to just get together for a certain period of time once a week, like, there's a reason we're doing that 
and it's, it's going towards something, right? We want people here in 10 years from now to be more mature than they were 10 years ago or a year ago or whatever, right? Like we're on a trajectory as a church, and I think that's why that word is in there because you could take that word out, and it would still make sense, but it's more helpful when that word is in there. Does that make sense, right? Yeah, I would just add that this is, you know, having a mission statement is not something that we are mandated to have in Scripture. <laughs> so the fact that we have a mission statement as a local church means that for this particular body of believers, what, what, are, what are we doing? Um, and as we have discussed, I hope you see how there's an implicit reality behind being a mature believer. Because what does a mature believer, also a mature church, then do, right? There are implicit realities that are things that are implied that we will be doing, right? We're missing a lot here. If we want to expl uh, explicate every single little thing, it's not here. It, there are a lot of implicit realities hiding behind mature community, right? So in order to be succinct, however, or to have a, have a nice, cute little phrase that we can say, um, we have this. However, we are adding a short tagline to the end of our mission statement. And the purpose behind this is to make one implicit reality explicit. It is not as though we never saw this. However, we are taking something that has been an implicit reality, an implied reality, but we are taking that implied reality and making it ex explicit. Um, which, so this right here. Cultivating a mature community of faith and fellowship in the word of God, by the spirit of God, for the glory of God, proclaiming Christ to the world. Now, you will notice that you don't have to reach a certain mark before you begin proclaiming Christ to the world. We are maturing as we are proclaiming. We are proclaiming as we are maturing. That is what we're doing. That's what our goal is. But as we mature, our proclamation gets better. And as we mature as a church and each part is fulfilling its particular role and function, the better we are proclaiming Christ to the world in the many different ways that that looks like. Right? Yeah, all right. They've heard me enough. What... what what right. other comments do you have on that? Yeah, so I think part of the point of this conference was to unpack what the idea of proclaiming means. It does not just mean that this church sends missionaries out into the field. It doesn't just mean that we evangelize. It doesn't just mean any one specific thing. But as Eric talked about in the first session, the proclamation of Christ to the world includes foreign evangelism. It includes local evangelism. It includes your life witness. It includes your children, right? There's a lot of things that proclaiming Christ to the world captures. But the reason we wanted to add this um, explicitly is, that, you know, from numerous conversations we've had with each other and with other people, it, um, we just began to see that we needed to make this, we needed to say this out loud and not just leave this assumed, right? For our sake as a, as a body, that this would be helpful for us to have this in the front of our minds as far as like what we are trying, this is part of what it means to be mature, mm -hmm. right? Well, and even, even just the whole, like Eric kind of said, the whole thought of a mission statement um, you know, we're not required to have. Do, do most churches have mission statements? I don't know. I, they probably do if you go to their website. Um, but do people even know what the, their individual church's mission statement is? And does the church actually perform to what their mission statement says? Because um, I've kind of found in the church world, like a lot of times we find nice phrases to say this is who we are and this is what we do. Um, 
but they don't actually do it. You know, you have a mission statement of, this is the mission of our church, but nobody knows what it is. You know, this is our church covenant. I didn't know we had one. <laughs> you, you know, it's just, it's just part of what you do as a church, and, and that's not who we want to be, obviously. Um, so even having a mission statement and, and then putting it on the wall and then telling you guys, hey, here's what we want to do. Here's who we are as a group, as a church. Um, like Eric said, some of this stuff has been implied, but, but for the people that come in, they see, well, this is who you are, but it's like, well, don't you even evangelize? Like, do you not share the gospel? Like, you're just, you're just cult- cultivating a mature community, but, but you're, not, you're not fulfilling the Great Commission, um, as a lot of people see it. And, and even, even as we've described it today, um, that's part of the Great Commission. Yes, that we do evangelize people. Um, that's not the entire Great Commission, but that is part of it. But if you look at our mission statement, it, it almost looks like we're not doing that. We're just, we're just a cool church that hangs out and matures each other, but we're not sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and as Eric said, we, we, we want to kind of take that, that doubt or that question away that as a church, yes, we do care about the gospel. We do care about evangelizing the lost. I mean, how can you disciple people if they're not saved? You know, how can people be saved if they've not heard the gospel? And so as a church, that's what we have to do. And so, and so if we're going to have a mission statement and we're going to live by a mission statement and we're going to tell people, hey, this is who we are as a church, this is what we focus on, then how can we leave out that we're going to proclaim Christ to the world? How can we leave out that we are sharing the gospel, that we are evangelizing people? Um, so that's, that's where I think this is a great addition uh, because, again, this is not just a bunch of dead words that looks good on a website. Like, this is, this is who we're telling everybody this is who we are. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would further say that if we said, and we believe, and I believe, and we believe, and we believe, that the mission of the church is the Great Commission. So why don't we just say, our mission, the Great Commission. Right. Well, we just want to be a little bit more specific than that, right? How do we go about doing that? Well, we see that the church is God's great commission plan. So we are going to then emphasize the realities here by growing mature believers in faith and fellowship according to what? According to our desires, our preferences, our genetics, our whatever? No, we're going to do it according to the Word of God. How? By what means? By the Spirit of God. We can't do it alone. And to what end? To God's glory alone. That's what we're doing. That's why we're here. And as we go about doing that, every bit of our existence is proclaiming Christ to the world. Sometimes we do that in how we act in our behaviors. Sometimes we do that in conversations we have. Sometimes we do that over a period of 10 seconds. Sometimes we do it over a period of 10 years. So this is who we are and this is why we exist. And I believe that this encapsulates all of what the Great Commission is calling us to do. But it it further narrows us in and says now, but we don't do this without constraint. Please know we are not doing this by our own power. We're doing it by the power of God, the Spirit of God. We're not doing it according to what we think we like and what we want to do. We're doing it according to the Word of God. And we're not doing it for ourselves to grow a big church. We're doing it for the glory of God. Right? Okay, so um, I do have... Hey, Matthew, would you do me a favor? Can you help pass these out? I'll give you one. Thank you very much. What Matthew is passing out is uh, something that we 
we worked to establish that kind of just helps um, help us all gather around this and understand how the different parts of what we do and who we are work to the end of the same whole idea, okay? So you, you're going to see three different sections on this sheet of paper. And the first thing you see is our mission, which includes the modified version that you see on the screen. The second you're going to see is our values. What is it that we value as a church? And then third, what you're going to see is, well, what kind of culture exists here in this church, right? So you're going to see our mission, our values, and our culture. You're going to see all three of those things, okay? And maybe just wanted to take a moment and explain how these things fit into our mission, okay? So I think you guys can explain these if you want to walk, walk through them. Are you going to pop them on the screen? No, nope, don't okay. have them on the screen. Right. They, they just got them in front of them on oh, the okay. paper. Okay, okay. I, I, I can't read the next slide because it's across the room and my eyes are not I that can read good. It. Can you? Yeah. I can't. <laughs> it's just little blurry letters. So I don't, I don't know what's coming next. Um, yeah, so, so I mean, the first one you'll see when you get your paper um, in our values is expository preaching. In, in the header, it says... Um, we preach in such a way as to make the point that takes the main point of the sermon. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that, um, I guess growing up, I didn't have, you know, growing up in the churches that I went to, um, I was never really exposed to expository preaching. So you got a sermon for wherever the pastor felt like preaching that day. Um, and, and the thing that I've grown to realize since we do expository preaching, and I've been exposed to it for, for quite a long time now, is that if you don't do expository preaching, you miss a lot. You miss a lot of context of what Scripture has to say. You, you're able to pull Scripture out um, of the Bible to maybe confirm an idea that you have or to make a point that you want to make, but you miss... I mean, if you truly believe that the scripture we have was given to us by God, like this is actually literally God's words to us. Like how can we take scripture and try to make it conform to our beliefs? Like, like if this is literally the word of God, I want to know what God has to say. And I want to know in what context he's saying it. I, I don't want to take one sentence that he, I mean, you could take a sentence that I speak and blow it completely out of context and, and it wouldn't mean nothing what I meant for it to, to mean. And, and that's what happens if, if we don't preach expository sermons. And so, um, I mean, I, I'm glad that's at the top of our, our value list because that's what everything else is going to hinge on. Like, if we're not preaching the truth of Scripture, then we're going to get nothing else right. We're going to do, you know, what we want to do, how we want to do it, and we're going to believe what we want to believe. Um, but... As a church, if we value the Word of God, <clears throat> then we have to take the Word of God as it's given. Then <clears throat> we have to take the meaning from the Word of God as, as it's given and not, not put our own twist, our own ideas on it. But even in the uncomfortable times, to look at God's Word and go, oh, well, that's not how I've always thought of that. But obviously this is what God's Word says. 
because I was able to walk through scripture and see how how I got to this point. How how when I get to this this verse, all these supporting texts, it kind of changes the way I look at it. And and now I see the truth of God's word that maybe I didn't see before. Um, and so how can we cultivate a mature community of faith if we're not faithful in in teaching God's word? If if we're not faithful in not only teaching it, but teaching it within context of what God has given and to get a true understanding of what God's word is. And, and when we preach the word, um, as this says, to make the, the point of the text the main point of the sermon. Like, like when we preach, I'm, I'm not going to give you, um, well, I'm, you know, the, the text says this, but I really want to point out this. Like, I'm not, t- I'm not preaching God's word, I'm preaching mine. And so I have to take God's word and whatever it says, whatever the point is, like that's the point I'm gonna give you um, because that's how we mature, that's how we learn. Um, and so, yeah, there you go, Sam. So <clears throat> when you look at all five of these values and, and in our culture as well, um, as I said a second ago, the, the reason we have these values as values is because we see that this is the way to accomplish the cultivating of the mature community and proclaim Christ to the world, which is essentially a restating of the Great Commission. Okay? So when we want to make disciples who observe everything that Jesus commanded, the way that we think we accomplish that, and this is all derived biblically, would be we, we think that people need to know what the Bible says. Okay? So you can't observe what Jesus has commanded if you don't know what he has commanded. Okay? So we teach what the Bible says so people know what the Bible says, right? But then we also teach what the Bible says in our music because we want people to sing about what is true and we want to derive those things from Scripture, right? So part of what it means to teach people to obey everything Jesus commanded is to sing about things that are biblical and teach people how to obey Jesus, right? Same thing with membership and discipleship and so on, right? So the values are not in any way separate from or like a one or the other kind of thing with fulfilling the Great Commission. It's how we see us teaching people to obey everything Jesus commanded. Does that make sense, right? This is how we do that. It's not a nebulous thing, right? It's not a nebulous thing to teach someone what Jesus commanded. You literally have to teach them, right? Like, that's why we preach. That's why we're doing this right now, okay? And so the intent behind all of these is to accomplish the creation of a mature disciple, which is the fulfilling of the Great Commission. So these are just flowing out of that, okay? So if someone says something like, well, our church is not so much of like a preaching, teaching church. We're more of like a missions church. I would say that's just like a false dichotomy, right? Mm-hmm. Like how can you be a missions church if you're not a teaching church? Like how can, how can that be? That's not, those are not mutually exclusive things, right? They're supposed to go together. You know, Our church doesn't really put a big emphasis on discipleship. We're more of like an evangelism church. Well, again, those are not mutually exclusive, right? Those are supposed to be one and the same thing. And so I think sometimes churches get really focused on like one specific area, not recognizing like we've been talking all morning, that all of these things have to be there working together to effectively create disciples rather than just zeroing in on one small aspect of it to the neglect of the rest, right? Because we're trying to make a whole person disciple, not just a convert. Well, and too, I think when you look at these values and, and what Eric has kind of been leading us through this morning, um, you can see where everything we do as a church points to the Great Commission. Um, it is the Great Commission, and it's what we've been, you know, commanded to do. 
um, it's not just one aspect. Like, like, you know, Sam was pointing out, it's not just evangelizing or it's not just discipling, but, but it's multifaceted. And, and to do all of these, um, everything we've got pointed out here, I mean, this all, this all leads to the same thing. You know, it, it, it's fine if, if you've got great expository preaching, but if your music is terrible, you know, if you're singing songs that have no truth, then, I mean, what are you doing? You know, you on one hand, you're teaching well, and on the other hand, you're singing songs to God that are not scriptural. You know, it, it, you might teach well, and you might not disciple. You, you know, and so all these things, they all build um, on each other. They're, they're all interlinked. And, um, you know, meaningful membership, some... Some people don't even understand why you have membership, and they think it's crazy. Um, and then some people think it's wonderful that when they find out that, you know, we really take this seriously. Like, as a church, we, we don't just flippantly throw people in. Like, we, we, we talk to you guys, and, and all you guys know. Um, men, we, we've talked to you all. We, we know who you are. We know what you believe. You know what we believe. And, and we know what we're holding each other accountable to. Um, you know, the discipleship, the missional living, um, again, just another thing that I, I think a lot of people, when you talk about missional living, they have one ideal of what that looks like. And that is you're either a full-time missionary or you're on mission trips or whatever that is. Um, they don't see it as living each day of our lives as ambassadors to the gospel of Jesus. They don't see it as how you raise your children or how you act in public, or how you interact with people. Um, they don't see that as missional living. They just see, well, you're not, you know, how many mission trips did you guys take this year? You know, well, what about, you know, the other 360 days of the year? I mean, did you, did you live on mission for Jesus then? Or do you have to go to a poor neighborhood to live on mission for Jesus? You, you know, and, and so it starts changing our mindset of, of what it looks like to be um, this great commission church of what we've been commanded to do. It's not a thing that you do. It's, it's who you are and, and it's who we are every day. And so that's what these values, they kind of point to, they kind of point to who we are as a church, um, and, and how we want to, to cultivate this mature community. These are the things that we have to do. Um, I think to do that. Right. And that, and as Eric hinted at earlier, that is not to say, what we are not saying is you don't have to go and tell people about Jesus personally at work or something like that. Okay, that's not what we're saying. This is not a cop-out to personal evangelism. Okay? Personal evangelism is just one of many, many dimensions and tools in the tool bag. Okay? Yes, if you went your whole life and never told anybody directly about the gospel, that would be a problem. Okay? But that is one dimension of this. right? If you tell lots of people about Jesus, but you have a terrible witness in your parenting and a terrible witness in your marriage and a terrible witness in your job and you cheat on your taxes and all that, well, then you're really not living missionally and you're not doing evangelism well, right? You're just, you got the right words, but you don't have the right lifestyle and vice versa, okay? It all goes together. But don't hear us say you're off the hook for any sort of personal evangelism ever just because you come to hear it, the, us yeah. preach on Sundays, right? It's not what we're saying, okay? One other thing I would add, just a very practical example of this. So the Great Commission says, make disciples of all nations, teach people to obey Jesus, okay? And we think missions when we hear that. But tomorrow, well, so last week, tomorrow, and next week, we're talking about church discipline. 
and we're talking about what to do with people who are in sexual sin in a church, okay? And you might think, what is the connection between talking about kicking people out of the church and fulfilling the Great Commission? It seems like they're not the same thing, okay? But they are, because the teachings about church discipline that Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 5 no. come from Jesus in Matthew 18, okay? So part of making disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded them is teaching them what to do about church discipline when people are in sin in a church. Yeah. They're not different. We're doing the Great Commission tomorrow when we preach about Matthew 18. We did the Great Commission last week and next week when we teach about 1 Corinthians 5, right? Nobody went on a missions trip last week, but we actually did the Great Commission by teaching about church discipline when we preached on 1 Corinthians 5. Does that make sense? Because now we have some idea of what to do with what Jesus commanded us about church discipline. See how this all works together, right? We're trying to keep us from thinking that these things are in, at odds with each other rather than being a package deal. Yes. Well, and, and just one last thing I want to throw in on this, just kind of a personal note. Um, you know, we can look at these things and I'll be like, oh yeah, that sounds really good. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're not hard. You know, and, and in looking at this list, you know, for me, the gospel-centered music, not that I, I don't want to sing gospel-centered songs, but, but as we've grown in that and, and we've, we've led the church in that, there's songs that we don't do that I used to like doing. I used to like playing those songs. I used to like the sound of those songs. I used to like singing those songs. But they're not full of truth. You know, maybe they were 80% true, but, but they were still 20% false. You know, and, and, and so that it's just one of those things that's like, it can be painful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's going to be some sacrifice. You know, may, maybe, maybe you heard a great song on the radio and you're like, hey, can we do this? Don't get your feelings hurt if we're like, no, we're not doing that. Because we don't do a song because it sounds good or because we enjoy playing it or whatever the reason. We, we do it because if it's full of truth, we're going to teach it to each other. And we're gonna we're gonna sing it to God like that's what we do when we sing. Um, if if it's got something that's not right in it, I'm not proclaiming that to you. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna get together and, and proclaim this as truth when we know it's a lie. And and sometimes that's hard, you know. And and you and it may be something different for you. You know, you may look at this list and go, I really don't like expository preaching. I like <laughs> a good topical sermon. And and every now and then we'll give you one. Sam's gonna give you one Sunday. So that'll, that'll feed your topical sermon thing. Um, it's connected. <laughs> it, it is connected. Um, but but, but that, as we said, that's not our main diet. You know, you may get it every now and then, but that's not going to be it. Um, but, but there may be things that you see in these values that's like, I don't know, I don't really like that. It's okay. It's okay for things to be painful as we change and as we grow and as we mature. That, that's kind of part of it. Um, if, if there's nothing painful, then you're probably already – more mature than Paul was, and you know you need to be a pre teaching I guess. Um, but but I, that's just kind of a personal note. When you look at this, don't don't expect that. Oh yeah, this is where I'm. You know, this, this is easy. Um, there may be parts of it that's hard, mm-hmm. and there's going to be parts of it that's hard for all of us. But but that's the whole point of community, is that we come together and we do this together, um, and that's part of growing and maturing. Is that that we're going to try to get rid of the stuff that that we see is not beneficial. You know, this is not right. So, so we need to get rid of that. Well, I would just add that's also a trajectory. It's a path. Exactly. Because we have not arrived. I, no. I say regularly, you have not arrived as a Christian. We have not arrived at a church. So don't be surprised 
when it's like, I think we can do better with that. I think that that didn't quite hit the mark. I think that we can press ourselves here. Right, now you got the idea, correct. And we should be encouraging each other more and more, teaching one another to observe all Jesus commanded us to do. Right, that's the point. Uh, just a little note on our culture here, you know, looking at our culture, what's it like to be part of this church? What should I expect as we move through these things? You should expect that we're going to have biblical uh, governance, that we're going to look at scripture. We want to, in all aspects, be scripturally driven. That is, we want these things to flow from scripture, either explicitly or implicitly, that the scriptures are leading us down this path, right? As we build relationships with one another and as we understand um, the role that scripture places on the family unit. Our, our, uh, our culture does not hold the family unit high. In fact, they want to destroy it. That is not how God designed it. Um, we hold the family high, and we um, want to be less segregated. We want to be more integrated, and we want whole family units ministering, teaching one another together as we all grow together. So do you have something to add on that? Yeah, so if you look at that first one, we are elder-led, deconserved, and congregationally approved. Oh, yeah, trajectory. Wait a minute. Where are the deacons, right? That's a lie. Well, it's not a lie. It's what we're working on, okay, just for the record. That is, we do believe in that, and we are working on that, yes. okay? It's the structure we see biblically. It's like Eric said earlier. There is an incubation stage in a lot of these things, right? If a missionary goes into the mission field, plants a church of three people, and they don't have elders for a little while, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, we're getting there but we are driven scripturally towards that because we think that's faithful, okay? Yes. So you might be looking at that going, I don't see that. Correct, you don't. We're working on it, okay? Yes. So just uh, moving, moving forward here. How can FRC, this is a question for us, okay? How can FRC grow in our commitment to the Great Commission more, in a more well-rounded fashion? I think we all agree, and it was part of the impetus for this day, is that we believe we can be doing better. You agree? So how would you answer that question, both of you? Well, I think for me, one thing is um, today being extremely beneficial in even understanding what all in the Great Commission encompasses. Because, you know, a lot of us have an idea of what the Great Commission is. Um, but, but maybe we didn't completely understand it. Maybe we thought it was, it was just evangelism or it was just discipleship or it was what, whatever we thought it was. Um, I think just one, it, kind of teaching that and, and trying to have a better understanding of what are we even talking about? You know, how, how can we be committed to something if we don't know what it is? You know, how can we be committed to the Great Commission if we don't have a good understanding of it? Um, and so I think today is an important step for us as a church that we start having a better understanding of what does the Great Commission look like and and how do we go forward as a church? Um, because, you know, again, a lot of what we do, um, you know, we have our our Sunday services and our Wednesday night services that we're, and so we're teaching, you know, we're, we're doing songs and we're teaching. Um, and and then beyond that, it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing corporately? You know, we're we're equipping you guys individually, but corporately, like, what are we doing? And and part of that is we don't want to be doing stuff just to be doing it. 
you know, we, we can throw together some uh, evangelism events if if that's what we think we're supposed to be doing. Um, but but just trying to get this whole idea of, of what does this even look like and how do we go forward doing it, um, I think today was, was really uh, a big step in, in kind of that commitment to, okay, we want to be obedient to the word. We want to be obedient to Christ. Now, now how do we do that? Um, and, and, and again, it being a church-wide effort, that it's not something that, that us three are going to do. You know, as a church, you know, okay, well, great, now you guys go out and do it. Um, no, you know, what we do going forward, we're going to do together. And, and I think that's, that's kind of an important aspect of it, too, is, is you know, our commitment. It says, how, how can FRC grow in our commitment? That's, mm-hmm. that's like, that's our commitment, right? That's not, that's not our commitment. Um, this is all of our commitment. So, um, you know, part of that question is, you know, not just what am I going to do, but, but what are you guys going to do? Like, like how, how has today affected you? And, and now what you feel like you need to do to be faithful to Scripture, to be faithful to the Great Commission. Um. So I think, I think this church does a very good job with the teaching part, right? I think, we have a, I think this church values, appreciates, receives well, does a good job at teaching. Okay, I think that's good. I think where we could grow would be in our all the nations part of that, okay? Um, and I think that two thoughts to that. One... Our current involvement with people outside of our Sparta area, right? Because the gospel is for the whole world. Okay, we want to acknowledge that and be behind that. Is we could probably do a better job. I'm speaking very much for myself and my own family right now, of engaging with Juan Pablo's ministry in Peru. Okay, like we've intentionally partnered with HeartCry because HeartCry is a very biblically centered missions organization, not separate from the local church, and we have picked a missionary that we want to support and help with. I think we could do a better job of holding that rope, as it were by getting to know Juan Pablo and his ministry better, figuring out how we can serve and support him better as a way that we just broaden our reach, so to speak, from here out to the nations a little farther. I also think that our new um, broadcasting of our services into a Ben Lomond service area is a part of that as well. Mm-hmm. We're trying to broaden our reach, okay? Um, and I think, looking down the road, I foresee a time, I hope, that, um, that there is someone or a family or whatever in this church that will go somewhere yeah. and that this church will send them, okay? I think that will happen, right? I think partly because we're growing in numbers, partly because the Lord will move in someone's heart, whatever the case may be, I think it's very likely that this church will launch a missionary, whether it's a missionary to Knoxville or a missionary to Zimbabwe, it doesn't matter. I think we will launch a missionary to go plant a church or be involved in a church plant somewhere, and that that will be another way in which we expand our reach from White County to the world, so to speak, right? Because you know that is ultimately the goal. Not everyone in this room will go to Zimbabwe, but we do acknowledge that the gospel is for the whole nations, and in some way, shape, or form, our church participates in that. Mm-hmm. Right now, that means White County and Warren County and Van Buren County, which is great. Right? The Great Commission is needed in Van Buren County as well. Yeah. Well, too, I think when we talk about our commitment to the Great Commission and and how that affects us as a church, um, <clears throat> I think too we have to take a look at you know inwardly like what are we doing or maybe even as a family unit what are we doing because you know if we talk about um you know sharing the gospel if we talk about discipling whatever that may be like like are we waiting for the church to organize something you know are you waiting for us to tell you who to go disciple 
are we waiting for you to tell us, you, you know, are you waiting for us to tell you how to go share the gospel? You know what I mean? And so, and so like, this is a call for all of us. Like, how are you going to be committed to this? You know, are you willing to disciple somebody? Are you willing to share the gospel? So, like, like you don't have to wait for us to tell you to go do it. Like, Scripture's already commanded that. Um, and, and so, you know, we take that look inward. Is like, am I doing a good job at that? I'm not doing a good job at that. Like, like my commitment needs to be, I'm going to do a better job of that, and I'm not going to wait for somebody to tell me to do it. Because that's not the point, you know. Um, but I'm going to try to encourage you guys to do it. Like, like that's part of my commitment to you is, is that, man, I'm, I, I want to encourage you, you know. And, and maybe I'll ask you, hey, it, you know, are, are you talking? Like, are you helping anybody? Or, or, you know, do you have a relationship with somebody that you're trying to disciple? Or, or are you talking to anybody about who Jesus is? You know what I mean? And, and so we kind of encourage each other in that, and we kind of build each other up and support each other in that. Um, and I hope that's a commitment that we can all kind of make together and not just step back and wait for somebody to act. You know, hey, go plan something for me, and I'll show up. Um, that's not what the Great Commission looks like. The Great Commission looks like this is who I am. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with all that. I think that um, it has been quite a journey over these past years to get the church to where it's at, and it has taken a lot of effort. It has taken a lot of energy. It has worn me down at times to where I couldn't take anymore. They know that. Um, and so uh, as goes the leadership, so goes the church. Am I right? Um, so how do I think that personally, how do I think that we can be doing a better job? Well, I'm going to make this personal. How do I think I can do a better job? I think I can be a lot more well-rounded in my example to this church of what I'm doing. However, while I do have a particular role and task, I am a believer and a disciple and a member of this church, right? And so I want to be, and I think we all agree on this, is that we want to be examples to the flock of God, because that's what scripture calls us. That's what it says, and Peter says, right? Don't remember the exact reference. I know it was Peter be examples to the flock of God. We, as the church matures, right, we need to raise the bar, right? And I think this is one aspect to where we can be raising the bar and we can be a lot more intentional. I think intentionality is a big uh, key idea here is that I can be a lot more intentional about widening my sphere of influence to include unbelievers, because I'll be honest, my sphere of influence, the people I know and come in contact with just happen to be believers pretty much 24-7. Um, I, I don't have a secular job. I don't go to school some, somewhere, right? I don't, I don't have that sphere of influence. Um, many of you do. I don't. So what does that mean for me? I need to be working on that. I need to put an intentional effort on that. I can, I can personally be doing a better job. And how does that impact FRC? that as part of the leadership that I'm being more intentional to be a better example myself, right? So uh, I say that from my perspective personally, um, that while the emphasis is here, yes, the local church is very important. You know that. What we believe is important 
This is what we see the New Testament telling us over and over and over and over again. And so while we all have individual roles to play, it does not diminish the fact that we all have common roles to play as well. And this is part of it. So I have a couple of questions that maybe you guys can answer. If church planting is the ordinary means by which the Great Commission is fulfilled, as argued, how does FRC intend to contribute to church planting? Is that not a good question? I think it's an excellent question, because if we're saying one thing, but then not participating in another thing, then what are we doing? Now, I will say, as you're thinking through the answer to that, I will say that at one time, this was a church plant. At what time does a church plant become no longer a church plant in an established church? There is no timeline, right? Um, when Paul was establishing churches, he said, you guys are doing great, but you're not planting churches. You know, and he's like, well, we've only been believers for like a year, or like six months, three weeks. Well, what's the timeline? You need to be planting churches. You're not doing enough foreign missionary work yet. He's like, well, you know, we, that, that's, a, that's a process that comes about, right? These things come about. But now, we were in the process of church planting. I would have to argue that we are now an established church and that we are no longer a church plant, right? Um, so that being the case, while we were at one time involved in the work of church planting, it may be now that we're looking beyond ourselves to church planting. So what are your thoughts on what that might look like? Or... A couple, I'll, I'll, I'll ask three more questions just for the thought process to get rolling, okay? These are just questions, okay? Questions are okay. These, these are just questions. I lost my place on my iPad, hang on. Would, it, would FRC ever consider planting a church from us, planning starting a church? Two, is church planting better than having a large congregation? Three, is investing in church planting a better financial endeavor than buying a building. What do you think? Those are good questions. <laughs> My first thought is, I hope we don't plant a church because of why we planted our church. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let, let's not go there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of an interesting idea. Um, I, I think that would require a lot more questions from us, such as why do we feel like we want to plant a church or need to plant a church? Like, like, like you don't just plant a church just to plant one. You know, it's like, oh, well, okay, we're supposed to do this, so let's do it. Um, I, I think we, we would have to get to the point to where either someone from our church wanted to go somewhere and start another church or we saw a need in a certain area that we felt like we needed to start one. Um, I, I don't think it's something that we're just going to kind of flippantly do. I don't think we'll, any, anything we do, we just kind of flippantly do. Um, is it something we should consider? Yes. Mm -hmm. But under the right circumstances, I think. Um, not just something that, hey, let's just go do this because, you know, Paul did it. Um, I, I think we need to be at a place where we're prepared to do that. Um, and, and even in planning a church, you know, we need to kind of take Paul's heart in that. And it's not just we're going to start one, but, but, but that's like a child. Like, like we got we to gotta take care of that thing and, and, and 
and grow it. And it's not just something you separate yourself from, but it's an extension of who you are. Um, so, so if we went into that, it would be an extension of, of who we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be something that we would have to grow into maturity so it could become its own, you know, still, still attached, but it, it could run itself. Um, so there would be a lot that would go into that. Um, the whole idea of uh, many church plants versus one large congregation, I know there's a lot of different thoughts on that. Some people love um, small churches. Some people love big churches. And I, I don't know that you can see in Scripture that there's a size limit. Um, I see in Scripture where there were 3,000 added in a day. And it's like, whoa, that's too big. Um, you guys should have made like 30 churches out of that, right? Uh, that, that's too many people. Um, so so I, I know there's there's a lot of conversation to be had with that. that. There are advantages of small churches because you can know everybody and you can, you know, have a relationship with everybody. There's advantages of large churches because you have more resources available. Um, and it, and it's, it makes it easier. I mean, how do you plan a church with, you know, a couple thousand dollars and a few people yeah like you can do it but man if if we had 500 people and we had a million dollar a year budget would that would probably be a little bit easier to do um if we're all just being honest so so i I think there are advantages to to growing as a congregation um because because you come together and and you do have a lot of strength You, you you know areas of weaknesses people are stepping in and helping um, resources, those types of things, but there's also advantages to, to having smaller churches. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think we want to, you know, start like a FRC West and put one out by my house, you know. <laughs> White County is not really that big uh, that we need, you know, two small FRC churches. Um, so so I, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of thought both ways in that, you know. Should we plant rather than get a building? I don't know. I mean, Maybe, um, but at the same time, we need somewhere that we can rely on here. You know, mm-hmm. um, I would hate for you know next week for our landlord to say, um, "Hey, I'm selling a building, and they're going to you know put something in there. You guys got to leave." Uh, that things start getting difficult. You know, will the church fall apart? No, we won't fall apart. Um, but all of a sudden, you're dealing with obstacles that that are taking you away from doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, so, so there's a lot of, I think, a lot of a balance in that um, and would definitely be a lot of prayer and a lot of, you know, seeking, man, what, what does the Lord want us to do? Um, kind of my thoughts on Yeah, I, I think the answer to the question is that there's not a tidy, neat answer to that, okay? Um, but I think the concept is you have to say yes to those things, right? Because if that is Paul's model of ministry, then I think it's right that we would at least say, well, what would that look like for us? It's great. I think that's, we should ask that. I think there's a lot of ways to do that. So I think churches can plant another church, which might look like, in the case of my parents' church, a group of people left one church, about 50 of them, and they set aside some men to be elders, and that they went to a different geographic area in the city, started meeting on Sundays, and they were a different church. Okay, So they split. That was how they planted that church. Right? Not in a bad way, but like, no, they sent a team. Okay? That's very feasible. Like that, we could see that happening, okay? It's perfectly possible. But there might be a way in which another church does that, and they, don't have, they can't pay their pastor for the first year, so a different church helps contribute financially, or they give them a building. Like maybe if someone wanted, maybe we want to be a church plant somewhere else, but they need 
someone contributes to our church plant by letting us use their space, right? Okay? There's about a thousand different ways a church can be involved in church planting other than just literally sending out a pastor and a group of people to start a church, okay? So for us, it could look like financial support for Juan Pablo, who's ministering in a church in Peru right now, right? And that's very possible. That, that could be our contribu you know, contribution to church planting. We're financially supporting and prayerfully supporting somebody who's doing that somewhere else, okay? In terms of us doing it, you know, instead of a building or something like that, I think the answer is, well, that calls for wisdom, okay? Same thing with a larger congregation. There is nothing inherently biblical or unbiblical about the size of a congregation. Was the 3,000-person church in Jerusalem superior or inferior to the church that met in Lydia's house? I don't know. You know? You could ask how healthy they are. That's a better assessment, right? Not numerically, but spiritually speaking, right? So there may come a time where it makes sense for LFRC to be two smaller churches from a spiritual maturity and health standpoint or some sort of physical constraint, but not inherently so automatically, right? Nor would it be better if we were smaller. If we never got bigger, would we be better now than if there were 100 more people here next year? Well, I think that'd be silly to argue that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the answer is we just have to pray about this and consider these things as we go forward because we don't know what opportunities the Lord will give us. We don't know what challenges we're going to run into. But I think we should be at least thinking in those terms, to your point, because that's how, that's how ministry multiplies in the New Testament. Is churches are started and grow, and then they launch and grow, and they go and they grow, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, the other aspect to that that some emphasize is church revitalization. Yeah, 100%. Right? So there's an old, older congregation. Maybe they've dwindled. Maybe they've seen pastors. Anybody know this story? They've seen pastors go in and out. The congregation splits over and over, or whatever. Whatever happens, there there's not been good teaching there, and and at the same time, there's a congregation there. However, and so there's an effort made by some to do church revitalization, and so in a sense, that is that is also part of this work. Um, so, you know, some of this flows from, you know, th this is the work of the church. So, I, whoever said it, if you're waiting around for us to have every single idea about what we should be doing and how we should be implementing it, you just have a misunderstanding of the church. This is us at work, right? And as the gifted roles in the church are given, they are to do what? Equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so if you find yourself not doing anything, there's a problem with you. Now, is there also a problem with us in the sense that we ought to be uh, pushing forward on this trajectory, you know, uh, and finding our blind spots. And yes, but none of us has arrived to where the work is done. The church collectively, the church as individuals, none of us has arrived. And so what we're committing to is we understand where we're headed, and so let's all get there together in the many different components that this thing is, right? Uh, I have a couple other questions, and I'll just say this about questions, that um, you may or may not have some questions for us, and we'd be more than happy to answer any and all questions that you have about any of these things at any time and discuss them and, and work through the implications and all that kind of stuff. Be happy to do that, okay? I want to end our time together by asking you a few questions that were um, questions that I tried to suspect would be big overarching questions that might resolve some missing components for people. Number one, what, what does all this mean for the role of personal evangelism? So what, in, what role does personal evangelism now play? Does it play, we've answered this in, in some part, right? But let's just say 
say the words. Does personal evangelism play a role in the common task of the everyday believer as an individual? That's the first part of the question. I mean, I, I think obviously it does. You know, <clears throat> looking at the whole Great Commission thing, making disciples, that's the imperative. Well, how do you make disciples without evangelizing? You yes. know, how are people saved without hearing the gospel? Um, and who's who's been tasked with sharing the gospel? You know, it, it's, it's all an individual thing. So I, I think that obviously, yes, like for us to be a Great Commission church, we all have to be tasked with sharing the gospel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Personal evangelism in word and in deed and in conduct is necessary for the believer. Yes. And part Agreed. of the Great Commission. Agreed. Uh, is it bad for the church to have corporate outreach slash evangelism events? Is it bad? Oh, so that's the question. We're bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, no, it's definitely not bad. I think it's a good thing for us to try to organize things to bring people together to go and do. Uh, I think the thing that's bad about it, like I said before, is that's what most of us are waiting for. Like, I'm not going to share the gospel until you organize an event and tell me to go. Um, that's the bad thing about it. So, so again, balance, I think, is the whole, is the whole answer to this stuff. Um, our outreach events a bad thing. No, they're not. They're a good thing, but they're not the only thing. Um, so we have to have personal evangelism. But as a church, is it a bad thing to organize something? Definitely well, not. Let me answer this part of the question then. Must the church do right, corporate that, evangelism right. events? That's what I was going to answer. So the answer obviously is no, it's not bad. Okay. Um, do we see in the New Testament churches hosting corporate evangelistic events? And the answer is no, I don't see that. I don't see churches doing corporate evangelistic events. I see churches holding church assemblies and gatherings where they baptize people, they take the Lord's Supper, they exercise church discipline, the preaching of the word is done. Okay, So I think a church could look at itself and look at its context and say a organized evangelistic event could be a useful way for us to reach people in our area with the gospel, and that would be perfectly fine. But I think some churches might not do that, and they wouldn't be in violation of scripture to not do so. And they wouldn't be in violation of the Great Commission. Correct. It might be a great way to do evangelism. Also, it might not. Just depends. Okay? Is that fair? I think it's fair. Okay. Um, should we or should we not be going on short-term foreign mission trips? I think it's kind of the same answer. Like, I mean, it's a good thing to do, but is it something that we absolutely have to do? Because like you said... You know, if you're holding the rope for somebody else, you're participating in that with them. So, I mean, is it a good thing to go on, on short-term mission trips? Yeah. But if we don't go on short-term mission trips, does that mean we're not doing missions? Mm -hmm. Well, no. I mean, if, if we're supporting other people to go do that, then we're participating with them. Mm -hmm. Part of the qualification of this question is, what do you mean by short-term foreign mission trip? Um, because... Uh, I came from a background where short-term mission trip meant this. You get all the youth of the church together, and they go on a little vacation in the name of Jesus, and they come back with a lots of pictures of people whose skin color does not look like their own. And they paid to school. And they, yeah, they did some humanitarian aid. Mm -hmm. 
Is that fulfilling the Great Commission? Is that what we are called to do? And if we are not doing that, then you must not be a missions-minded church. Right? How would you respond to that? Yeah, that's a really big question. Okay, that's way more than we have time for in five minutes. I would say short-term missions can be a phenomenal tool of fulfilling the Great Commission or a gigantic waste of time and money. Okay? And, and actually can be very damaging. I think if a short-term missions trip is oriented around the gospel and ministering to and working with local churches wherever they go. Local churches. Local churches. I think they can be very beneficial. I think if they do not operate within the context of a local church wherever they're going and they're there and they're gone and that's the end of it, I don't think that's helpful for the people who are going or the people who are receiving, so to speak, right? Um, I just don't think that that's a, a good ministry model to just go talk to somebody for a week and then bail out of there and never see them again. You know, sometimes, though, the model is not let's go and talk to people. Let's go and do some kind of aid. Right. Let's go build a well. Right. Let's go whatever. Which might be an awesome right. thing to do. Great Christian humanitarian not work. Not saying that building a well is, is bad. bad. No, 100%. Right. It's not bad. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go and do that, right? But that's just standard Christian humanitarian work. Yes. And I would argue that... The Red Cross does that. 100%, yeah. It's most effective from a gospel perspective to make disciples if you build the well in somehow a connection with a local church where the people that see the well being built in the name of Jesus have somewhere to go to hear more about him and be taught what it means to observe everything he commanded and be baptized and become his disciple, right? Yes. Just building a well, while a very good thing to do, should not be considered the whole picture of the Great Commission if that person has no idea what it means to follow Jesus and nowhere to go to learn about that when you leave. But it's still a good thing to go build the well. Let's just be careful about what we call it, yes. right? Not a mission trip. Or maybe a, like, good works trip to exactly. go minister to people. It's a humanitarian trip. It's a humanitarian trip. trip. And, like, let's just, and, and if possible, let's connect it in some way to the local church because we want to work with the local church yeah. wherever we go because that's the model. What, right? what we do know, though, is that just because churches are doing X, this, doesn't mean that all churches should be doing that or must do that, even though we've seen it done, right? That's got to be erased from our mentality. We are not driven by modern traditions of how we operate. We are driven by scripture. We are driven by the word. And so try as much. I'm going to say something that might hurt your feelings, okay? We do not have to have a church building. We do not have to have microphones. We do not have to have a comfortable space to worship in. If you think we must, you have created that. You are wrong. We don't even deserve the building that we're in. We do not have to have a building. So, with that fundamental reality, we also don't need air conditioning. We don't need a lot of things. However, by the grace of God, we have them. And what are we doing with them? We need to be stewards of them. We need to be stewards of our building. We need to be stewards of our time. We need to be stewards of our gatherings. We need to be stewards of our money. We need to be stewards of everything that we have that the Lord has given us, all to what end? To fulfill the Great Commission. And if we get sidetracked or narrow-minded or tunnel vision, something is off balance, and we're not being proper stewards of all the Lord has given us. So I would just conclude in saying, um, I believe FRC is a wonderful church. I think what we stand for in our mission and our drive is excellent. And I love the people that the Lord has brought here. 
I think also that we are to continue on this task because the work is not over. I think we have some areas that are more fuzzy than others. I think we can be putting more intentional effort into particular areas than others. I think we can do, be mutually encouraging one another to live intentionally for the gospel. And in that, we are fulfilling the Great Commission. And so I, I think that we can become more well-rounded, and that's why today exists. That's why this conference exists. It's because we noticed blurry, blind spots for our church, and we don't want those to be there anymore. And we want to lead the charge by example, not only teaching, but then also observing ourselves that we might teach one another how to better observe all that Jesus has commanded us. Okay, those are my closing words. You guys have anything else to say before we're done for the day? Good, I'll pray for us. That would be wonderful. Lord, we are grateful for this building and the air conditioning and all the things that come along with it, Lord, that uh, help us to, um, to accomplish in a small way today what it means to fulfill the Great Commission and teach people to obey you. Part, part of our goal this morning, Lord, is just in this way to help encourage each other and teach each other what it means to observe all that you have commanded. This is one of the things that you've told us to do, and so we're doing our best right now to learn and to teach it and to do it. And God, I pray that as we think about all the many, 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 many ways that this plays out that are not clearly given us a black and white answer in Scripture for what we should and shouldn't do to make this happen, God, I pray that you would give us an abundance of wisdom collectively as a church and individually. Lord, we recognize that, these, that how we do this sometimes is not simple or easy. And so we want the wisdom that comes from your word, the wisdom that comes from your spirit, and we want to acknowledge that we're, we're on a trajectory, Lord, and we need your help to do this. We are not arrived yet. So, Lord, please grant us the wisdom that we need to do this well and faithfully. Help us to be humble and repentant if we see that we're not doing it like we should, individually or collectively. And, God, it is our desire. It is our desire as a church, Lord, that people who don't know you would come to know and find and treasure Christ and find forgiveness of sins and reconciliation in him. And as they come to know him, that they would grow up in maturity in that. We want both of those things, Lord. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, who's given us the authority to do this work. And we pray it all for his glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.